The Action Network Podcast, named Best Betting Podcast or Radio Show by the Fantasy Sports and Gaming Association, and the number one show for the invested sports fan. Without further ado! That's what the game's all about. All of a sudden you feel like you can't miss. Welcome to the Action Network Podcast NBA Edition. I'm your host, Matt Moore, joined as always by Brandon Anderson and Raheem Palmer from the Action Network. Make sure to, to download our incredible app. It is going to be the best app for you to track your bets. You're going to be able to find all of our great analysis, including the always red hot props articles, the always fantastic breakdowns on games, uh, as well as you'll be able to catch my analysis. I'm working on a piece on the Utah Jazz, which who is one of the teams that we're going to talk to about today as we begin with our marquee. All right, boys. So to this week on the marquee, we are going to do a stock watch. Okay. We are 45 ish percent of the way through the season. The all-star break is rapidly approaching and there are four teams that I wanted to get into and talk about their fortunes. And we're going to do a little bit of buy, sell or hold. So obviously if you're selling, it means this is the best that you're going to get on these teams. If you want to buy, it's obviously you think that they're still low and undervalued. And if you want to hold, obviously you're just like, I'm good with where I'm at. I'm staying where I'm staying put with my position in terms of if you have would if you did have stock in these teams, I want to start with the Los Angeles Clippers. So the Lakers have slid with Anthony Davis out. The odds uh, for the division have decreased, which is something we'll get to later. Uh, the odds of the Clippers winning the title have gone up slightly in the wake of the Lakers struggles. The Clippers have been absolutely monstrous. They've gotten Kawhi and PG back on the floor. PG is kicking it back up and is playing absolutely phenomenal basketball. And yet I heard a lot this week about how nobody really takes them like on national podcasts about how nobody takes them seriously, which. Okay. That's a take. I will say from the beginning, I am buying Clipper stock to the point that I think I'm probably going to grab some Clippers Nets finals matchup after we get off this podcast is the, the next move for me. Um, I, I, I think they are being undervalued in the market and I want to buy them right now because I think that the playoff loss of the nuggets is hanging a little too heavy over everything. Brandon, let's start with you. Are you buying, selling or holding on the Clippers? Yeah, I think I'm a hold on the Clippers. I, I don't know what them. I can't quite put my finger on it. I, I don't disagree really with any of the things that you said. And I feel that hangover from the playoffs, that disappointment from last year. I see that I should be looking past that, but I also feel the disappointment and it's hard to look past it. And I just don't know totally if I trust Kawhi and PG when we get to those big moments. We've seen it occasionally, but we've also seen last year's thing occasionally too i do think the clippers are going to add a piece still i think that i've been waiting all year for lou williams and something to go out and i'm not totally sure what that piece is it's going to be tough this year because so many teams are in the race um but i i feel like the clippers 
price is about right right now. I still I still don't totally believe in either LA team as a huge favorite. So I feel like to me the West is kind of a coin flip between the two of them, which puts slight value on the Clippers, not for me enough to buy on them. So I think I'm just a hold or a stay away for the most part. All right, Raheem, where are you at on the Clippers? Buy sell. Okay. See, I feel like nobody listens to me. Um, <laughs> like, I, I mean, I just I'm wrote nicknaming a you Victory Lap. That's all I'm going to say. It's like, <laughs> your nickname from now on is Victory Lap. Okay, I just wrote a piece on the Clippers. It just dropped yesterday um, around 5 p.m. I'm buying the Clippers. I, I love the Clippers. Now, last year, I didn't like the Clippers because, you know, I said this before. I didn't trust Doc Rivers to – you know, properly managed the minutes of Montrez Harrell and Lou Williams. And what happened in the playoffs? Montrez Harrell got destroyed. Montrez Harrell is gone. Doc Rivers is gone. When you look at this team, Tyron Lou has been a substantial upgrade over um, Doc Rivers. The Clippers are making 283 passes a game, which is 12 more than last season. They're moving the ball. It's not as much heavy ISO. Paul George is just back to the Paul George that we've always known. Kawhi Leonard, I think one of the things that people don't realize about Kawhi Leonard is that he's had a degenerative quad issue. So he was struggling with that over the last couple of years, and you saw towards the end of the playoffs last year that he didn't have as much lift. Now, this year, he's a lot healthier. I think this, this, this bench is deeper. When you look at the small ball unit that they played, um, Tyron Lue has played um, with you know, Morrison Center, they've been destroying teams. They played Rudy Gobert off the floor the other night. Um, they pretty much went on, they went on a run and pretty much ended that game. And then when Lou went to the small ball lineup against the Nets, it pretty like they they went on a um a, they went they basically took the game from they were down nine, went on a 16-7 run, and tied the game. And if they don't call that BS foul on Kawhi Leonard, they might have won that game. So to me, I think the Clippers, and then when I look at the bench. To me, the bench is better. I mean, you get rid of Montrez Harrell. You get rid of Shamit. I think Luke Kennard Luke Kennard has been an upgrade over Shamit, even though he's out of the rotation. I think Lou has done a good job at developing um, the younger players. Like Terrence Mann is actually a, a guy now. Amir Coffey has played well. The Clippers have the second-best offense in the league, like behind the Nets. The only offense that's better is, is the Nets. Their first in three-point shooting um, um, percentage – to me, this offense is just it's, – it's just too good. And then look at the rest of the landscape on the Western Conference. They'd be a favorite to any other team other than the Lakers. The Jazz can't handle them because you can't have Royce O'Neal and Bojan Bogdanovich matching up with Kawhi Leonard and, and Paul George. I think they're a favorite over the Nuggets as well, who they had 20-point leads over in every single game. And then when I look at the Lakers series, it's a pick now they have they're going to have some problems with stopping Anthony Davis, but how do the Lakers match up with them from three? And this is an older LeBron James. I'm buying on the Clippers. I'm taking them at plus five fifty to win the NBA title. I'm taking them at plus two seventy to win the Western Conference, and I'm taking them to win the, the Pacific Division. I think this everybody was just so hyped on the Clippers last year that they're letting get they're letting get you know impact what they feel about them this year, and I think they're a much better team. So your article's great. Mm-hmm. I did read it. 
Your article's great. Mm-hmm. I will say um, I have a couple of qualms. One, you put a little too much. You've done this. You put a little too much on Doc's feet. Like, I think mm-hmm. that you uh, go a little too far in thinking that, like, Doc was the problem and Ty is, like, the solution. I think Ty's flexibility, which he's showing with the small ball lineups, is important. Like, that's a, that's a small upgrade. But honestly, one of the bigger things that you kind of have to factor in it and keep with is, like, the chemistry issues – are not solved by Doc or Ty. Like, they are independent. And the problem really gets back to Kawhi Leonard's not a leader. And, like, that's that's a super narrative you take, right? Like, that's like... I, I like that. I like that take. That's like FS1 mm-hmm. take level from me. But, look, if your entire, if your entire uh, personality and archetype in the NBA is that you're the quiet guy, lead by example, you don't say anything, the robot, even if you're, if those are exaggerations of who you are as a person, there's a big gap between that and actually taking charge and being like, Hey, we got to do like being the vocal leader, LeBron, it took him until 2012 to find that balance. Like even in 2011, Wade was still having to carry the load there. It wasn't until 2012 that LeBron started to be the one that you would see in the pregame huddles, barking out and leading guys and inspiring them that you would see him on Mm -hmm. the, on the sidelines, really like talking to guys it took him years to manage that. And I don't know that Kawhi's ever going to get there because nobody's ever demanded it of him. Like, nobody's ever demanded that of Kawhi. It's just like, you're awesome. You're the best defender in the NBA. And what a lethal killer. And like, oh, the quiet guy. So great. What a winner. Like, nobody's ever actually demanded that. I agree. Him. And in, in Toronto, Kyle Lowry was the leader. Mm-hmm. I think um, Brandon kind of hit on something because, you know, I've been on the, you know, trade Lou Williams brigade for a while as well. But I, one of the things I realized is they can't trade Lou because he's actually one of the leaders in the locker room. <laughs> right. That's a problem. So that is a problem <laughs> that combined with, I think I will say, and also um, they did have the 20 point leads on the nuggets and you've rightfully pointed out how much Harold was a problem in that series. Like that really was the difference in that series. I will just say, I don't think Ibaka solves their problem of, like, this is a big thing of if he would just not play Harold and play Zubach more, like, I just kept saying this, and it kind of bore out in game seven. If you play mm-hmm. Zubach more, Nikola Jokic was just going to tear up Zubach. Like, not yeah. as badly, <laughs> but he's still going to torch him. And this this version of Jokic this year is absolutely mm-hmm. going to tear him up. So I still think the Nuggets are a problematic matchup for them, especially with J. Mike, who's able to provide a little bit of inside intel on that kind of stuff. The Nuggets mm-hmm. aren't as good this year, though. So yeah. I'm with you on buying. I do think that they're really good. One thing I do think is, is kind of concerning. So I look this up on cleaning the glass versus top 10 offenses. Okay. So mm-hmm. the actually good offenses in the league, the Clippers come in at 22nd defensively versus top 10 offensive rating teams. That's compared with the Jazz, who are number one, the Lakers, who are number two. You got mm-hmm. Toronto, who's number five. Phoenix, we're going to talk about in a second, is number six. So, like, the Clippers versus these top-level teams. Now, some of that may be impacted by, the, like, I can't sort out mm-hmm. that number from games where Kawhi and PG played. So, I don't, I'm not able to, like, get, get an effective mm-hmm. sample on that. I do think, though, that their defense hasn't – you mentioned the offense. The defense hasn't been quite as good this year. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's maybe the only caveat. But I do think, in general, I think that they're being – the big thing is just that the perception for them is that mm-hmm. the Lakers are going to win the title. There's no question. The Clippers can't beat the Lakers. And it's like, mm-hmm. why would you think that when the Clippers split the season series last year, looked really good with them, beat them this year mm-hmm. in the first matchup, 
And the Clippers mm-hmm. didn't lose to the Lakers last year. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's go to the next team I want to talk about, which is the Phoenix Suns, uh, who I think is, I, I should call them Raheem's Phoenix Suns. That's your Western Conference. <laughs> um, they, I think they dipped for a little bit, but they played really great over the last stretch. They're getting some very quality wins and have played really consistent. They're nine and one in their last 10. They've won three in a row. They are now fourth in the Western Conference. They are just a game back of the Lakers. They are just three games back. After everything the Jazz have done, the Suns are just three games back of the number one seed in the Western Conference. That is an incredible season. They've got a lot to offer on both ends. Brandon Anderson, are you buying, selling, or holding on the Phoenix Suns? So the Suns are the exact sort of team that I talk myself into and buy (laughs) and buy them at low odds and look like a genius as they're sitting in the Western Conference Finals. And then they lose in six and I tear my ticket up and got nothing out of it. They are... Last week, we talked about who's your team in the East? Who's your sleeper that's going to come through? Could it be the Pacers? And to me, the Suns are the West version of that. Not that they're the same as the Pacers. I think they're a much better team, but they've got a tougher road in the way. And I I could see the – I like the Suns a lot. I like what they're doing. I, I feel like Chris Paul is deferring more in Devin Booker. We're seeing more the Booker that that we expected to see, I think. I'm still not totally sure where Aiden fits into all of this. I think they're still trying to figure that part out. But I like the team. I like how it fits together. When they've been healthy and actually had most of their pieces, they have had a really strong bench. And I think that that's starting to come back again now that they've got you know all their guys back through the health protocols. I like this team a lot. Where I see them is I could see Phoenix being something like the second half Utah Jazz where suddenly they rip off a huge win streak. They're doing really great. They're the, the lead conversation on all the, you know, all our podcasts and the jump for a couple of weeks and their odds, you know, go through the roof. And at that point, I'm going to take my ticket and try to look for a buyer online and sell it because that's when I'm out. I don't believe still that this team is going to win the West. So then I don't know how to bet it necessarily I could maybe talk myself into the Suns winning the division. Uh, Raheem, what's your, are you buying, selling, or holding on the Suns? I'm holding. I, you, I think um, Brandon says something interesting when he compared them to like the Indiana Pacers. To me, I kind of see them as like the Toronto Raptors of like the last five, six, seven years, minus 2019. They're going to be a great regular season team. They have all the pieces that you love. They got wings like Mikel Bridges and Jay Crowder. You know, they can hit the three. They got a good point guard. They have a closer in Devin Booker. But this team is is young. They don't have a lot of playoff experience. So I expect them to really dominate the the regular season. But I just think there's teams that are better than them in the West. Like, I don't see them beating the Lakers. I don't see them beating the Clippers. I just think they're just going to be, you know, they're going to be a tough out. You know, maybe they get to the second round. But I'm I'm just going to hold. I think they're a a great team, regular season team. But I I just – I can't expect them to go to the Western Conference Finals or go to the finals at all. This is another – there's two things here. One, um, this is a problem with not being able to bet on odds to make the Western Conference Finals, which we really honestly need in the NBA. Like, we need more odds to make the Western Conference Finals. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, like, Western Conference semifinalist odds is is something I would like to see from the books. The second thing I think is – I know this this morning on Twitter. If the Pacers – we're recording this on Wednesday morning. If the Pacers lose tonight, the East will have three teams over 500 – Three. 
Three teams that are over 500. The West has eight. Eight. If we had no conference structure for the playoffs and you could say that there was a wider variance in the matchups and the road that the Suns would have to take to get there, I might actually be interested. Like, if I knew that there, that there was going to be a wider variance on who these teams were going to face and it could be a little bit more chaotic... I would be very much in on Phoenix as like a sleeper potential candidate. But think about how we always structure this. Like, uh, they're not beating the Lakers, they're not beating the Clippers. However, however, I'm going to hold because I have like, I'm, I'm not going to buy anything. I'm going to hold, but I will be buying come playoff time. And here's why. Look at the standings and where they're at now. Now, it's unlikely things will absolutely hold with where they're at right now. But they are the four seed. This would be their path. Four hmm. seed, Sun Spurs. Four or five matchup, we got to think the, the Suns win that. Like the gap between these teams is significant. Spurs have been great. I think they're really good. The Suns are a better team. Like they should win that matchup and they should win it in probably six. Okay. Then they get the Jazz. Okay. Who are playing their best basketball right now. Who, if you're looking at the Jazz and you're like, okay, they, you know, they take a lot of three pointers. So what do you need? You need three point shooting. The Suns have three-point shooting. They have good defense on the perimeter. They have a rim protector in DeAndre Ayton who can actually score on his own, unlike some defensive player of the year candidates. They have a, they have just as good a depth. The, the Phoenix bench is lights out. Cam Johnson, mm. campaign, those guys, mm. lights out. Like, that's a really good bench that they have in Phoenix. So, I actually kind of like that matchup. Like, you'd be able to bet, like, roll that money over on the, the Spurs and ha- get pretty good odds on the Suns to beat the Jazz, and I don't necessarily hate that. So I think that there's actually kind of some value there. Um, I was going to talk about the Jazz today, but I want to wait because I think we need to, to give the, a little bit more time. I'm working on an article on them. We'll talk about them in a future episode uh, and break down a little bit more of where they're at. I want to give them a little bit more time uh, before I slander them beneath the earth because uh, that's that's, <laughs> that's fair. That's, that's definitely fair. Let's go to the Eastern. Let's go to the Eastern Conference uh, and talk about Raheem's local. Squad, the local sports team that everyone knows and loves. Philadelphia yeah. 76ers. So the Sixers were red hot forever. They were just, they looked great. They looked awesome. They were undefeated when, when Curry and Embiid and Simmons played. Um, things were looking really great. Like this is going to be the year. Embiid's an, an MVP candidate. They're five and five in their last 10. They escaped the Toronto Raptors who were on a back-to-back on Tuesday night. They're still leading the conference at 21 and 11, a half game up on the Brooklyn Nets, but that gap has narrowed. Raheem, are you buying? Mm-hmm. Are you selling? Are you holding? Um, I gotta correct you. They weren't on the back to back. Um, I think they had a they had a they had a gap in between the games. They played Sunday, Raptors beat them, and then they came back. They had a duplex game. No, um, right. I'm I'm selling. Um, I just to me, I place an emphasis on three point shooting, and. I don't trust Danny Green to hit open shots. Mm. I don't. Um, Steph Curry. I mean, Steph, Steph Curry is. I mean, he's gonna hit him, but it's just like I just. I think when I look at this team, this is a team that can be outshot every single night. Like I mean, they lost to Portland um, based on you know Portland out shooting them. They. I mean, Phoenix beat them. It's just to me any like even the Bulls hung with them. Um, so I just I, I look at this team and I'm just not that impressed. I think they don't have enough firepower um, to match up with the Nets. I think that even the Bucks have a little bit more firepower than, than them. So it's just like I, I just can't buy the Sixers team. I think they have a good defense, but I don't even think their defense is 
as good as advertised at this point. I think they're highly dependent on MB to to really put up 30 or 40 points to beat some of these some of the best teams in the league. When you look at their record against the, the top teams in the league, they're only five and seven against teams at and above 500, but they're 16 and four against teams below 500. So they're not dominating the top competition. They beat the Lakers because the Lakers were in a bad spot off of back to back. So I'm not, I'm not really impressed. And then, I mean, you guys know my issues with Doc. I don't think Doc is really a great coach. I think he's, he's solid, but he's not going to win you a game that you wouldn't otherwise win. I think they're carried by talent. All right, Brandon, you buying or selling or holding? Yeah, I'm basically with Raheem on this one. I'm selling. I, I tried to get there with the Sixers a few weeks ago. I think when, when we were not really believing in the Nets right after they lost to the Cavs a couple of times, and I, I just can't get there. It's, it's the same, same sort of stuff Raheem said. I don't see the shooting holding up in the playoffs, and I don't know that I'm going to trust them to get enough scoring. They're going to have at least two tough a series in the East just to make it out of the conference. You know, even, even if they don't necessarily have to play both Brooklyn and Milwaukee, Philadelphia is the sort of team that a series against a Boston or a Toronto is going to be a rock fight and a tough one to get out of, even in that matchup. And I, I think that they maybe would, but the fact that I have to say maybe, I think, is is all I need to know about how I feel about the team overall as far as a title contender. So I, I was surprised to see, uh, looking at the odds today, I, I was expecting Philadelphia to be the second pick in the East, not the third pick. So I, I do think that the books are factoring that in a little bit to leave a little bit of potential value there. But I'm just not excited about the offense or the ceiling. And like Raheem said, I think we, we assume the defense, but the numbers haven't been that strong. And I don't know. It feels like it feels like it's missing a piece. I don't know what it is, but I'm not excited about them. So I, I think I'm in a hold. I'm gonna hold on them because I bought a lot of stock mm. early. I'm I'm holding. And mm. one of the reasons is like, look, I, I think the Nets should rightly be favored to win the Eastern Conference. And mm. but let, let's look at again the path here. Okay. So if they hold on and they get the one mm. or the two, right? They're gonna face whoever's in the play-in tournament. And unless that's Miami, I'm not really concerned. Like if Miami hangs in there and gets it together and they're able to, you know, put mm-hmm. together, then sure. Like, you know, Embiid's better than Bam, but that's a good matchup. And you got Butler mm-hmm. and his mental ad- advantage over this team and, and all of that. Like I, I get that concern and the heat have the shooters. Right. So like that one would concern me, but the rest of the teams like Knicks, Bulls, Hornets, the Hawks are hanging on the outside. Those are the only teams you're really worried about. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, their other potential like second round matchups are going to be, you know, Indiana, Toronto, mm-hmm. the Sixers have more firepower than those teams and have a big, mm-hmm. like, a lot of this just comes down to this. There's no team in the Eastern conference right now that has an NB counter. None. Nobody's got one. They used to be the Celtics. They had Baines and Horford. They could counter him. They they defended him well. The Raptors with Gasol and uh, Ibaka could do some yeah. stuff. But, like, you're going to throw out Aaron Baines, who I love, but Baines and Chris Boucher versus Embiid? That's the plan? I don't think that's a good plan. Like, Baines mm-hmm. has done a really good job of against Embiid in his career. So, like, the Raptors could be feisty for sure. I could see that being, like, a problem. But I also just don't think the Raptors have enough firepower to hang with them. I think, were, I think the Sixers' offense can still wind up mm-hmm. outscoring them. That'd be a tough series, I think. 
But yeah, I think I think it would be a it would be like a six game series where you'd have the Raptors outshoot them for a couple games. It'll be like that Brooklyn series, Brooklyn um, Sixers series from a couple years ago. Yeah, and you well, you also you have these games where like you're like the Sixers have dominated this game. How is this a one point game? And just like Kyle Lowry's doing stuff, just like the Raptors are throwing <laughs> over their head saves that wind up in a random scramble three. And oh my God, Fred Van Vliet's open. The nemesis. Fred Van Vliet. I, I can't say this enough. Shit just happens with the Raptors. It just yeah. happens. They just make <laughs> stuff happen. Um, but I think they probably win that. And then, look, if you're looking at Nets Bucks, if the, those two teams have to go through each other, like obviously you're not worried about the Bucks given their playoff history. Like you mm-hmm. don't at least at least have, you don't have to be scared of them. I think that's a tough matchup because they got Brook Lopez. Mm-hmm. Like that's a pretty good counter for him. Is just to be like, oh yeah, Brook. Like that's not bad. But the Sixers have a lot of defensive options to throw at um, Giannis. And honestly, like the Sixers bench may be better than Milwaukee's at this point, which is wild, but true. Uh, and then Brooklyn, it just kind of comes down to like, yeah, you got KD and you got Harden and you got Irving and the Nets are definitely going to make that a series and it might we'd probably go seven. Right now, they don't have an MB counter. They got nothing. You know, they can double. Mm-hmm. But if Embiid's able to handle that for the first time in his career, then I think that they can actually probably win. I think that that's actually so. I'm you're holding. asking you're asking Embiid to do something for the first time of his career. Yeah, yeah. yeah and we're that's asking problematic. Embiid, we're asking Embiid <laughs> to play like the MVP for six straight weeks against the teams at the highest level, night in and night out. Because if he doesn't show up and play like the MVP, they're not beating one of those top teams. And I just don't know that I can trust him yet. I'm just going to 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 pay it down and see it happen for six straight weeks because we just haven't seen it yet. All right. Uh, real quickly, let's go over the bucks. Cause I only need one more. Uh, are you buying, selling or holding? I'll go first. Um, I'm still selling. They're trying out new defensive schemes. They're undervalued in the market because nobody believes in them. I get it. I just, I still, I'm like halfway between a sell and a hold. I'm not aggressively selling all of my stock, but I just can't with this team again. I just can't. I know that like they're trying different stuff and I think that's good. And they're not over exceeding expectations in the regular season. And that's good because that's one of the problems is like when you're really good in the regular season, you're just a target. Uh, it's better to be like a dangerous team. Giannis is still really awesome. And Drew Holiday's been out. Like that's a significant factor. I just, they haven't shown anything this season to be like, they've got it. It doesn't feel like their year. It doesn't feel like there's anything special going on there. Um, I don't like, you know, if they face the, the Nets, they're just going to get – the other guys are just going to shoot off the dribble against them into oblivion. If they face – they can only take Drew Holiday on one of the three. And then if they face the Sixers, then you've got all of that transition length and uh, athleticism to counter what the Bucks try and do. They don't have as much shooting. Like, they may not – I don't think they have as much shooting as the Sixers do, as much as Raheem's worried about that. So – I'm still selling on the Bucks, just not aggressively. Raheem, what do you think? I don't even have any stock. So, sure. <laughs> like, I, I mean, yeah. at, this, at this point, we're like, we're like game stocking this, and we're shorting minus 140 percent of their stock. <laughs> right. But yeah, I'm, I'm gonna sell the Bucks. I just, I mean, when you have a guy in Giannis who's just so flawed as a superstar, he's a great player, but in the playoffs, I just think. The, the Sixers have pieces that they can throw at him. Miami have pieces that they can throw at him that make it tough. And I just don't think they have the bench um, that they had previously. Now, I think it's it's a shame that we're not seeing the Bucs at, at full strength right now because Drew Holiday's been out. But it's just I, – I just – I think they're too limited. 
they just don't have enough. I don't I don't see what makes the team special. So I'm selling. Raheem Palmer is falling out of love. Brandon. So I'm buying at least a little bit. I'm going to nibble. I'm going to nibble on the Bucks because I think this is the window to buy on the Bucks. This is the, the team that we're seeing right now is not the best version. I think everyone knows that. We've got this recent losing streak. We are, they're missing Drew Holiday. And it's very clear right now just how valuable he is defensively and even what they're doing on offense. Chris Middleton is in this big slump right now that just booted him out of the all-star game because he had 10 off, you know, 10 days that went bad. And I think that this is not the same Milwaukee team as the last couple of years for good and for bad. Obviously the depth is not the same. I don't trust that a whole lot. That's a problem, but hopefully, hopefully Drew and Chris and Giannis will actually play their big minutes when we get to the playoffs. Fingers crossed that Bud will remember that his guys actually get to play this year and here's why I like Milwaukee. For like two decades, we had San Antonio Spurs teams that were always really good, but rarely truly great. They were like a top five team. You're out, you're in, you're out. And they were the dynasty that never really had the huge streak. They just were always there to possibly get there. And to me, when there was an awesome team, the awesome team beat them. When there wasn't, the Spurs were the default answer and they got to the finals or won the finals. Now that feels like underselling the Spurs. I understand, but it's saying year after year, they're a top four, top five team. They're in the mix. You just want a seat at the table. You want another chance. You want another crack at the conference finals right now. Milwaukee is plus 300 at DraftKings to win the East. That's implied odds. 25%. I think that's low. I think I'd put them, 35% maybe. I think there's a little bit of value there. I'm not all in, but I'm out on Philadelphia. I like Brooklyn, but Brooklyn is the team that that would beat them. But, you know, I don't totally believe in Brooklyn. We're, we're still, we still have lots of reasons to worry about that team or wonder what's going to happen. Giannis can be the best player on the court any game, any series. I think there's a little bit of value there. I like that take a lot. Uh, it's interesting to kind of the Spurs comparison is one I hadn't really made, which is surprising considering the Budenholzer connection. I think, sure. you know, one thing to keep in mind is through the 2000s and most of the 2010s until their run was over in 16, the Spurs weren't really upset by inferior teams that often. They didn't win every year, but they would lose, like you said, to more dominant teams. That to me is kind of the difference. It's like the Spurs lost to the 2011 Grizzlies. Sure, but that was like really lightning in the bottle. The Bucks two years in a row have lost to inferior teams that got hot at the worst moment to exploit their defense. Now maybe they are able to like adjust and find more switch capability and all of these things, but um, I just have a hard time when it's like you got beat by the Raptors and the Heat, and like if nothing else, you allowed those two fan bases to become just utterly obnoxious. <laughs> Just so obnoxious for getting past the Bucks, And for that, I think I have to remain a little reticent to back them. That's going to wrap it up for Marquee this week. Let's go ahead and go back to the future. Back to the future. It's 
In this segment, we go back and we talk about bets that we wish that we had made in the past that may still have some value right now. Uh, I will go ahead and lead off because mine's a quick one in which we already talked about, which is the Los Angeles Clippers and their division bet. Just a week ago, I could have gotten them plus 125 to start the season. I could have gotten them a little bit longer than that, 175-ish start off the season when the Lakers were red hot, I could have gotten them plus 200 at some places, even longer than that. And now, unfortunately, even in the day that's passed since Raheem posted his very good article on the Clippers, which you should check out on the action network app, the Clippers have gone from a plus number at DraftKings to minus 134 to win the Pacific division. They are minus at all of the books that I checked this morning. You now have got to pay the juice in order to get the Clippers on the division, which means there's no longer any value. I kept being like, I should bet the Clippers to win the division. I did that for like three weeks, boys, like three weeks. I said to myself, like, you need to bet the Clippers to win. And I didn't do it because I was like, well, the Lakers, Kawhi PG, Ah, I'm so mad at myself. The Clippers are going to win this division and I'm just going to have like watch money sail on by. I'm very annoyed at myself. Raheem, let's go to you. What's your back to the future for the week? Zach Levine was a plus 120 to one to win most improved player. Oh man. On Saturday, it's now down to plus 36 and <laughs> plus 30, um, plus 3,600. I mean, you can't beat those odds. And then, especially with the cash out feature that these, these apps have, you already would have made a, a profit. I mean, Zach Levine right now is just unbelievable. He's got his first all-star game. He's averaging 28 points, five assists, five rebounds. The Bulls actually look, you know, solid and re- relevant. They have a chance to make the play-in game. Me and a friend talked about it. I'm, I have a betting partner who I work with, you know, on a lot of my plays and stuff like that. And – we just didn't put it in, and it's probably one of my biggest regrets of the season. Mullen Proof's going to be tough this year. Like, Jeremy Grant seems like this runaway favorite. I still just don't know if Detroit's going to keep playing him. I just don't know. Like, at some point, they're probably going to be like, uh, you give us too much of a chance to win, you should buy it down. They just got to start tanking at some point. I think Christian Wood was, like, rightfully the favorite going into the season, and mm-hmm. I think would have been in a good position on a, a – had he stayed healthy, but with him missing time, I think he's kind of out of it. It's, you know, Jalen Brown, the Celtics are struggling. So that's kind of overshadowing what he's done. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a wide open race. Brandon, what's your back to the future this week? I just got to say a chance to make the playing game is the title of the Chicago Bulls 21st century memoir right there. So that's get excited, Chicago fans. Brandon Anderson is a hater. Why are you you're so down on this team? You were the biggest hater of the Bulls and everyone's like, they're pretty good. They're not bad. And you're just like constantly undermining them. They're better than you think, Brandon. I promise you. They're not bad. I aspire to more than not bad. That's all. He has a Bulls hoodie on right now. Bulls hoodie on right now. Right now. Go ahead. Go ahead, Brandon. You guys are going to absolutely despise my futures pick today. You're going to dump all over it. I'm excited. I'm grabbing an MVP today at plus 4,000 on DraftKings. James Harden, MVP. Get my back out to the here. present. No back to the future. I don't want in the past. I want the odds right now. Brooklyn numbers, 25 points, 8.5 rebounds, 11.5 assists a game on 50, 42, 86 shooting. The Nets are 14-5 and five with Harden. They're 7-3 with Harden and not Kevin Durant. And I think the Nets are going to be the East one seed. Once the Jazz fall back, the Nets could be the best record in the NBA. Durant is at 29.75 since Harden joined. 
So we're scoring a couple more points a game, but Harden has had clearly the better numbers and been the better player since Durant joined the team. Obviously, the massive problem is the narrative. He quit on the first 10 games of the season and nobody wants to vote for him. I get it. Like that's clearly is the huge, huge problem. So the reason for the Harden argument is a couple of things. Number one, I keep looking for who the MVP is. I still don't believe that it's going to be LeBron. I don't think this last week has been like super damaging to his case, but certainly hasn't helped, but I'm still waiting for some other contender to arise. Maybe it's James Harden. And number two is that, so yeah, Harden mailed in 10 games, but he's going to keep playing. We have every other candidate is going to end up missing 10 games for COVID. Why can't Harden miss 10 games for hating on Houston? (laughs) I know it's a terrible argument. (laughs) How about this narrative? Russ Westbrook robbed Harden of that MVP. Everyone agrees on that now. So how about we make it up with with the Harden MVP plus 4,000, 40 to one. I'm just saying 2.5% chance. So you tell me there's a chance. You're setting money on fire, Brandon. (laughs) Just send me the money. Just send me the money. Um, can I can I book you two guys? <laughs> <laughs> Let me think about it. I might go on this because that is absolutely absurd. So, okay, let's hit it from all the angles. All right. So, one, your argument, I get where you're coming from here, and I, and I know how solid you are in your analysis and your objective and all those things. And um, like me, like I'm, I'm metrics forward. We're all metrics forward. Like we're betters. That's where we like kind of think things. All right. Let me throw this out for you, okay? James Harden is averaging this season uh, 25 points, seven and a half boards, 11 assists. Trey Young is averaging 27 points, four boards, 9.6 assists. Okay. Um, Let me just put it this way. Trey Young didn't even get all-star. Like Trey Young didn't make the all-star team. The point I'm trying to make here is that the numbers this year, and there's been a lot of posts on this, the number, the, the statistical individual production this year is crazy. It's not just the, uh, the offenses are wild. They're actually not that much wilder than we've seen in some years. And some teams are actually well below the Cavs. But we're seeing so many insane individual offensive performances that a lot of voters, they're just going to go numb. Like the statistical arguments are going to be very difficult to make this season. It's going to be really hard to make statistical arguments for guys. It's one of the reasons that LeBron probably still has the best value is that like no matter what Jokic does, in terms of like, no center has ever done this, this, and this. They're just like, yeah, but stats are whatever because this season everyone's scoring 20 and everyone's scoring 25 and everyone has all these crazy numbers. Like, Jeremy Grant has great numbers, Brandon. Like, we just – we can't – there's no way that the, the numbers are going to bear out. Also, when KD gets back, you're going to see again that KD's the best player on that team. And no one's ever going to win MVP without being the best player on their team. It's just – it will not happen won't happen like i i cannot remember a time when a player has won mvp when he wasn't the best player on his team and even if you're like yeah but the numbers and look at that everyone knows katie's better like everyone knows katie is better and there's absolutely no way that's going to be able to get past him plus even if you got past all of that even if you somehow dragged them past all of those problems every single voter even the even the analytical ones are going to be like He quit on Houston. He showed up looking like the nutty professor. You cannot, and under any circumstances, vote for this guy for most valuable player when he tanked a franchise. 
There's no way. Am I like back me up here, Raheem? I mean, and then also, I think the the one thing you have to think about is that I think voters hold heart and his collapses against. Yeah, it's the same thing with Giannis. It's just at some point, no one's gonna vote for a guy who's continually collapsing the playoffs. All right, so that's Back to the Future, in which Brandon throws away money and just sets it on fire. But I admire, I do admire that every week there's a there's at least one time in this show. <laughs> every week where Brandon sets his sights on like a take mountain that just seems insurmountable. And every week he's like, I'm going up. Like I admire it. Like he goes up there. He, every week he is Yatu Watanabe. That's like, no, no, I'm going to block this, this dunk from Anthony Edwards <laughs> every week. He's like, I got it. Don't worry. Uh, all right. Let's, I, I do want to do crazy pills real quick. And now am I taking crazy pills with Matt Moore? Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Uh, am I taking crazy pills here? Or is the all-star conversation at an all-time level of dumb? It's always pretty dumb. It gets dumber. The more that you do this, you realize more and more it's pretty dumb. In the past 24 hours, I have seen we should ignore regular season performance and just rely on the playoffs. That was my good good friend of mine, Kurt Helen, over at NBC's Pro Basketball Talk, who I love and owe very much of this industry. And still, I was like, Kurt, what are you doing to yourself, man? This, this is a take mountain that you are trying to climb. Not even Brandon Anderson would go up this one. Trey Young is a snub. Uh, Nikola Vuc- like, There's going to be so many people mad that Vucevic made it. The entire like Western Conference got mad that Devin Booker didn't make it, even though Booker hasn't been all that great until the last, like, two, three weeks of the season. Like Devin Booker is this incredible snub. Like not everybody's going to make it. You have legacy picks of guys that are going to make it in because they always make it in. And because of their star power, a lot of this is impacted by fans. The reserves are selected by coaches. I just feel like this is why I've just started to gravitate more and more towards all NBA. Like let's just do all NBA. It's conference neutral. It's not impacted by popularity. It doesn't matter how you're going to perform in a meaningless exhibition in which nobody tries. All NBA is what should matter. I don't really know, Brandon, I don't know what the point of All-Star is anymore other than to make money in the game. I, I, I agree. I, this mm-hmm. last summer when sports disappeared off the planet and we had to find something to do with all of our time, my something was basketball reference and old NBA TV games and just diving back into history. And to me, All-Stars matter the same way that All-NBA matters. It, it, it matters historically. Whatever we're doing to select them, at the end of the day, we're going to say, you know, I saw someone say, well, James Harden is, is the, has nine all-star births now and no player with nine all-star births has never not made the Hall of Fame. Oh, you think? How about James Harden is going to make the Hall of Fame? How about, duh, like we don't need to have nine all-stars as the reason, like how far down the plaque is that going on James Harden's Hall of Fame plaque? It just, it matters because it matters historically. And to me, like, that's why for, for me picking players, I want to look back at the end of the season and just see what would have made sense. That's why I was so hesitant on the Zach Levines and, and Julius Randles of the world because they've, they're great right now. They're deserving. But what about two months from now? What about five years from now? Are we going to look back and be like, what were we doing? What happened with that? And especially of all years this year, when we have like 30 games, and guys missing for protocols all the time and the tiniest of small samples, it just got ludicrous. And I don't know. It, the, the West has no snubs. The West is as soft as it's been in, in forever. The East has a bunch of guys that could have made it. 
and a bunch of that did. And so it goes. You know who did make it, Brandon? You know who did make it? You know who made it? Zach Levine <laughs> is an all-star. And a deserving one. Raheem, <laughs> Raheem, am I crazy? I'm, I'm with you on all NBA. I think that's that's really what matters. But, I mean, at the end of the day, all-star game is just for fun. So you just kind of you, – you take it with a grain of salt. But it's not, though. That's the problem. It's like it's the way it's talked about and the way it's yeah. debated. Like we're having all these simultaneous conversations – at the same time with no nexus point. And what I mean by that is like, look, if you want to talk about MVP, you can talk about what's the best story, who's had the best mm-hmm. stats, who's had the most impact, who's had the best season, who's the best player, mm-hmm. but they all converge at a central point, which is like, what's most valuable? Like what is the, who's been the, the definition of the MVP in the, in the like ethereal concept, right? Yeah. With all-star though, it's like, no, 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 it should reward playoff success. No, 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 it should be the, who the best players. No, 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 it's who's most entertaining. Like, there's no nexus for us to come together and have an assessment. And the fact, I'll say this again, the fact that bonuses are tied to this is nonsense. It is yeah. ridiculous. All NBA, I get, you should take that out of the media's hands and just make it a panel of, I don't mm-hmm. know, like, get like a panel of like 12 people with three represent- represent- representatives from the media, get three Hall of Famers, three current players and fill in the rest with like, I don't, whoever, TikTok people, but you just get some sort of like coalescence of like a panel to decide all NBA. And that can wind up being the ones that decide it versus the media votes. Just because like, I don't think the media should be held responsible for the decision that can cost a guy like $35 million. Like that, that's that, you know, do not ask people that do not play at that level, that do not operate at that level of income to make those kinds of decisions. Um, Mm. And so, but like with, with all-star, I just, it, it does wind up, you know, Brandon talked about this, like, but all-star does go on the hall of fame plaque. It does. Yeah, it does. Like it does matter. <laughs> the difference between being a two-time all-star and an eight-time all-star is significant. The difference between being a five-time all-star and a 10-time all-star is significant. Like Low- Lowry could, Lowry is probably a fringe hall of famer at this point because of those, all, like the six all-stars, he has. Yeah, it, bo- it does. It boosts you. So it, it really it, does matter. And it provides, it provides recognition of it. Um, but even though like, this is the big thing is we need to raise up all NBA. I think we need to go to five all NBA teams and that's People are going to say that's too many. And I'm like, that's 25. Yeah. Look, look, that's 25 players. That's 20. Most teams now have multiple guys on it that are like star players. Right. That's true. Like we're not mm. going to get one dude from every team or for one dude from 25 out of the 30. That's not how yeah. it would be, you know, but I was thinking about this. Like there are guys that I think that would deserve a nod for like fourth team, all NBA. And yeah. there's no harm. It. it doesn't cost us anything. It, all it would be. And like, if you made like all NBA fourth team, it's a nice little note, but it's not the same. Like there is a huge difference between you would see like, are you, because when you see all NBA, mm. you always see like, the notation on basketball reference is like second team. Like it does matter if you were first tier or second, what you're basically doing there with all NBAs is these are the tiers. That's yeah. it. Eliminate, eliminate positions and do all NBA five teams. And I think that this would be a better. I'm not mad at that. Cause that's still only like five, 6% of the players. Right. Well, and, and the big thing is you get to do it at the end of the season. That's the real problem here. Yeah. The real problem is mm-hmm. we're, we're choosing stupid awards that are going to go on historical documentation based off of 20 games. It's ridiculous. So at yeah. least give us a whole but, th- but then you run into the problem that Kurt suggested, which is like, you can't be like, oh, no, we should consider last year's playoff run. I'm like, is Goran Dragic an all-star? Is that what you're going to tell me? Because that doesn't make any sense. Um, all right. So that's, that's crazy pills. Let's wrap it up. 
Our picks for Wednesday. Gotta get this, this out the door. Mm. Dig in. Certainly does look delicious. It's the Wednesday NBA Buffet. Chew and swallow. No savoring. Yeah, one pick each week. Brandon, I don't know. I'm getting the feeling you're going to pick a prop. I don't know why. I'm not playing a prop today. What? I, I am actually playing the all-star angle. I'm going with a two-team parlay tonight. Woo. It is my Sega Baba all-star snub parlay. Yum. We've got a Sega Baba. Mm. Let's go. I'm grabbing the Pacers minus 1.5 against the Warriors and the Heat minus 2.5 against the Raptors. So with the Pacers, you got Domana Sabonis, thinks he's a snob, ready for a big game. Pacers haven't played for a week, so they're rested. The Warriors are on an East Coast trip. They've gone to Orlando, Charlotte, New York, now Indiana, all in the last week. Golden State is 2-7 and seven against top five teams uh, from either conference, which Indiana mm-hmm. is. So I like the Pacers there. With the Heat, you've got the rare double snub. Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler. Who is more motivated than those guys? They're going to come out and put up like 40 in the first quarter, something ridiculous. The Raptors are also on the second out of a back-to-back, just like the Warriors are. Raptors have played five games in seven days. They played Milwaukee twice and Philadelphia twice recently. I just think the Heat and the Pacers, you've got two tired teams versus two super motivated teams. So I'm grabbing the Pacers and the Heat. Sega ba- Baba, all-star snub parlay. Let's go. I like it. I love it. Raheem, mm-hmm. what's your pick for the night? I'm going with the under. I mean, this this move while we were on here, um, while we were recording. But I like the under 226 and a half in um, Celtics Hawks. I think it's down to 224. But they, they just played last week twice. I mean, these te- two teams are very familiar with one another. The, um, the games flew over at 236 and 230. But I think, you know, in this spot, you have both teams. They're tired. They play three and four nights. Um, I think it's telling that the odds makers opened this at 226. I mean, both of those games last week, they were aided by a 40-point scoring outburst from Trey, um, Trey Young. And in the second game, which you guys covered on the BetCast, you got 123-point second half. So when you look at this spot, you know, you got two teams in a back-to-back three and four nights. If you notice, if you look at the pace of those games last night, the Celtics and the Mavs, they played just 93 possessions yesterday. The Hawks and the Cavs, they played just 92 possessions. So I'm expecting a a slower-paced game, you know, just from the spot. And then also, you look at the Hawks. Cam Reddish is questionable. He missed yesterday. John Collins left last night's game with a concussion. So you have the Hawks missing four rotational players with Bogdan Bogdanovich and DeAndre Hunter out of the lineup. The Celtics still have a solid defensive team. You know, they've been going with that two-big lineup. But I think, you know, more importantly, the Celtics have really struggled to score. The last two weeks, they're 21st in offensive efficiency, scoring 110 points per 100 possessions. I think, you know, Brad has really kind of just struggled to, to put this offense together. They're really ISO-heavy. You know, the other day against a, a poor Pelicans defense, they only scored 0.9 points per possession in the second half. I think Jalen Brown, he's starting to come down to earth. You know, he had a solid performance last night, scoring 29 points on 12 or 20 shooting. But he hasn't been what he was all season. My projections make this game 223. So at 224 and a half and up, you've got a solid play on the under. When the Celtics knock the Sixers out of the playoffs, I'm going to laugh my ass off. I'm going to laugh my ass off. (laughs) How much you hate hate the Celtics team. That will not happen, by the way. It's just not going to happen. I I need y'all's help. Okay. I need y'all's help. Uh, it will not surprise you that I'm going with 
a half or quarter play uh, this season via my analysis on my action app. You can actually analyze your own picks in the app. I'm 44, <laughs> 32 and three doing halves and quarters this season. More importantly, I'm plus 9.8 in units because I get plus juice on a lot of these. This has been like my smart angle of the year is like, just play these, play the lineups, play the, the smaller. Don't let the variance over 48 minutes. Screw you play them very narrow. I got two choices and I don't know which one to go with. So my first choice the Oklahoma City Thunder are nine and one in their last 10 first half. They are just a great first half team that knows how to tank its tail off in the second half. Okay. On the season, OKC is only 17 and 14 against the spread, but over the last 10, again, nine and one first half, and OKC's four and one in their last five as well. They're facing the Spurs, who are getting back after a COVID uh, hiatus. No DeMar DeRozan. Half of the rotation is out. LaMarcus Aldridge is expected to play. Love fading the, the, the Spurs when LaMarcus Aldridge plays, at least in the first quarter. I'm leaning towards that one. I do get a pretty nice number on this. I get first half minus one at plus 102 at DraftKings. My second option is Phoenix is one of the best second quarter teams in the league. Okay. That second, that second unit lineup of Cam Johnson and, uh, and them and Cam Johnson and campaign, the two cams, they play absolutely fantastic night in and night out. Chris Paul's plus minus in the second quarter is insane. They finish the second quarter exceptionally well. This is like an important thing to note. If you're like, how does that really matter? The nuggets always lose the end of the second quarter because their starters have a great start to the game. They come back in, but they play a lot of minutes intermixed. And then they don't push together at the end of these games. You saw it last night versus Portland who took a lead into the half because of that same kind of deal in reverse with the Suns, where the Suns get all five guys back on the floor about the five-minute mark of the second quarter, and they absolutely roll teams. The Suns in the second quarter are 18 and 12 this season. The Charlotte Hornets, who they face tonight, are 10 and 17. That is third worst in the NBA. Hornets have the second worst net differential second quarter. Now, I bet the Jazz against them second quarter because the jazz had the best second quarter differential in the league. And of course the Hornets won by three in the second quarter last game. Cause you know, the forces hate me, but the Hornets overall have lost six of seven of their last second quarters. I'm leaning pretty heavily towards the sun's play, but I don't know which one to go with. I actually like, I really like both. Uh, I'm going to go with the sun's okay. just because I like to trust my numbers okay. and my numbers even with, you know, with the Spurs missing a ton of players with COVID, my numbers still make that game around a pick them. The games tend to play towards the numbers. My numbers make the, the Suns a nine, 10-point favorite. And I think the Suns are just running so hot right now that I think you want to keep riding that. And I, I, I love that bench unit with campaign um, and company. So I think you ride with that, and I think you're a little bit safer. And then also, um, Gordon Hayward is questionable tonight. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I like both of them. I just don't trust the Thunder because you never really totally know what you're going to get. And the Suns are playing so well. I think I prefer that, but I like both plays. Okay. I'm going to bet both of them. Just heads up. I'm going to bet both of them. All right. That's going to wrap it up for the Action Network podcast. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to check us out throughout the week's programming note. Uh, we'll probably be on normal schedule next week, but after that, we're going to be shifting to Thursdays for a while because March Madness is here. Make sure to check out our great college basketball podcast with Stucky and the crew. Make sure to check out all the great shows. Our PGA Tour stuff is always awesome. We're going to be going doing some clubhouses. Check out the Action Network Twitter account at Action Network HQ. 
to be on the lookout for those. We want to hear from you guys. Hit us up on Twitter. Let us know what you think. And the BetCast. We'll get the BetCast on Friday. So make sure you check that out with um, Matt Moore and Justin Fan yes. on NBA League Pass. Check us out on <laughs> League Pass. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you guys again next time. We're finished talking.